passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. After a long winter's hibernation, the bear and the parrot are back. Welcome once again to the Josh and Jeff Baseball America podcast. If you don't know by now, this is Josh Norris here in Raleigh. Jeff Ponce is in the Northeast. And we are back for another season of this show because the minor leagues are back in full swing finally now. There's been, you know, the way the schedule works now, it's a little bit of a stop-start sort of thing. Triple A started on the 31st and had its three games. Then they had a full series last week. And then Double A on down had their three-game opener last week. If you wanted to play on Easter, you started on Friday. If you didn't want to play on Easter, you started on Thursday. So now, today, Tuesday, April 11th, all 120 full-season minor league clubs, minus any games that get rained out, are going to play today. So we're finally back in the full swing, not a check swing, not a half swing, not a kind of an aggressive take, a full swing of things. Jeff, how does that make you feel? Feels great, man. Feels great. I'm, I'm happy to be, uh, you know, back able uh, to go to the ballpark, watch some games on MILB TV as well and a good mix. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this starting on Thursday, I was I was sort of inundated for the next three days with you know, games in person, games that I was able to, you know, then throw on the TV before I left or when I got back. And uh, that's wonderful, being able to sort of take it all in and see a lot of different players. Some players that, you know, were drafted last year that maybe haven't started yet, like one Cooper Jerpy. You know, I had to make a Cooper Jerpy joke immediately. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was great to be able to just kind of dive back into it, it you know, it's the best time of the year because it means that summer is coming up here in the Northeast. The snow is melting away. The grass and the plants are beginning to grow. You can get outside and uh, baseball's here. So it's the best time of year for folks like us who live and breathe the game. So yeah, man, I'm excited. And uh, with the, the summer coming, the warm weather coming, so comes the hot sheet as well, where we had the first release of, uh, our season's hot sheet today for, for week one, though it was sort of a nine-day AAA schedule and a three-day staggered, you know, double-A to A-ball schedule. Yeah. So a little like, bit uneven, so it was heavily slanted to a AAA, which it typically is not. Correct. Um, Especially depends on who's putting it together. Like, I tend to shy away from AAA mostly – um, if you know me, you know, like I, I like the younger levels. Like if you put me on a backfield, I'm very, very happy. Uh, if you put me on a low A field, I'm pretty happy. But this week it was like, you know, there's not a whole heck of a lot of guys <laughs> outside of AAA who really, I mean, pitchers are one thing, but like 
you know, Junior Caminero right now has an 833 batting average. Why is that? Because he went five for six in his one game that uh, I think Bowling Green got in. So, you know, I didn't put him on the hot sheet. I probably could have, but you know, it's one game, five hits. That's fantastic, but it's one game. Uh, we let it off this We I let it off with uh, Matthew Liberator, who is a favorite of Jeff's. So go ahead, Jeff. Wax poetic about the Cardinals lefty. One of your favorite Cardinals lefty. Maybe not your favorite Cardinals lefty. No, no. But, uh, you know, I think the thing with, with Libertor is it's interesting. Like, I wasn't the biggest Libertor fan uh, over the last couple of years. Um, but I felt like the reaction to him over the last few seasons sort of, like, went too far in the other direction where – he was really aggressively signed out or assigned out of the pandemic in 2021. I don't think anybody anticipated him for him to skip multiple levels up to triple a, you know, was up in the major leagues the following season and, you know, returned to triple a Memphis has never been an easy place to pitch. And I think that some of the things that he did well, or some of the projection that was still there were sort of brushed aside and, you know, put into the wayside or whatever you want to say, and we've seen a better version of this guy. And by talking to contacts in the offseason and talking to the Cardinals organization themselves, they still remain pretty high on him. And what we saw this year is we've seen the fastball velocity up, therefore the stuff numbers that are out there because there is data that's available in AAA is up. And he started to lean into, into his best pitch. He started to throw his curveball more. And one of the things that I pointed out is between the two starts, particularly heavy in the first one, um, he used the curveball more to better results and had like 13 swings and misses between the two starts just on his curveball. He was getting some whiffs in the fastball, but also in the changeup, and he mixed in the slider as well. And I think that it was a usage issue as he started to use the sinker more and use the four seam in more effective situations. And of course, that curveball, which remains his best pitch, mixing in the slider and the changeup, that variation and the sequencing took a really big step forward, which is something that I had kind of anticipated would happen. Um, he's now 23 years old for the entirety of the season. And I think there's an argument to be made. That this guy could be one of the Cardinals' best five starters at the moment. I know on Stuff Plus numbers, I think only Jordan Montgomery ranks higher than Libertor does. And they are using the major league balls at AAA. Um which I think obviously has some value to pitchers because if we go back a few years ago, if you remember Jose Barrios's struggles before he got good and then struggled again, uh, but his initial struggles when he had first been promoted to the you know the the, the Twins um, active roster and into their rotation was the ball and the seam orientation and some of those things was a little bit different than it had been in AAA and I can remember reading a story I don't know if it was with you folks or or someone else that he had gone back down to. Um, was it Syracuse at the time that had uh, the, the or Rock, Rochester? Rochester had the Twins AAA and was doing all the side sessions and pen work with a major league ball to sort of get used to the seams. And, you know, I think that we have now have that situation. It's a lot easier for some of these guys that have success in AAA to sort of be promoted, get slotted into the rotation and find some success. So, I do sort of anticipate that we could see Libertor up in the Cardinals, you know, active roster and in the rotation at some point in the next several weeks. Um, there might have to be an injury or something, but 
when it does happen, it wouldn't shock me. And I think that this is definitely a, a good sign for Cardinals fans and their front office who traded away Randy or Rosarena. <laughs> Not that the Cardinals don't have outfielders. They just, they always have outfield. They have a million outfielders on all these different teams. It's not success, but um, it probably looks pretty good that, you know, Libertor starting to find his way at 23 years old. And there's not many lefties that can hit 97 with a variety of pitches and spot it in sequence. So um, I'm not saying this guy's a world beater, but he was on our top 100 list for a reason at the back end. And I think this sort of, at least the early looks have justified um, sort of my, uh, my belief and you know, what I had been hearing while doing the reporting. Yeah. And he's like 16 innings from graduating from the, the land of prospects. So if and when he does get up there, he, uh, would probably need two, three, no, three, three, four starts to graduate. And then, yeah. uh, the, the Cardinal system will lose one of its left-handers and the Cardinals team will gain a left-hander. Um, uh, looking further down the hot sheet, one of the guys I really like, you know, he managed to bit my qualifications of still very young, but also in AAA, is Tyler Soderstrom. And outside of a month last year to you know, wait for the, the weather in the Midwest League to become, you know, not sub-zero, dude has raked. Just raked, you know, as as much as one can rake. He's like a, a one-man grounds crew in that regard. He and he got all the way to triple A last year from the midwet from high A. And now if you go to triple A with the A's, you're probably gonna hit. Because it's in Las Vegas and uh that's a bit of a launch pad as is most of the PCL. But he's he's done it. He's like I think he's 21, 22 years old and is really positioning himself to be a focal point of the A's lineup in the near future. Not exactly a high bar to clear, but this could be a high draft pick that they really hit on. And it's, it's good to see him start um, strong. I think I remember correctly, one of his home runs, maybe his first home run of the year, whatever day it was, was the hardest hit ball of the day and the farthest hit ball of the day. It was like 460 something feet and like 113 miles an hour off the bat, which I don't care if you're playing in in, in Las Vegas or at the bottom of the ocean. That's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good little poke. So those are two guys that were were really interesting on hot sheet. Like I said before, it's kind of a or Jeff said before, it's kind of a stilted hot sheet with mostly AAA guys. Next week's will be a little uh, more well rounded. Uh, there's some other guys on here too. I, I shouldn't skip over them. Another guy, AAA, I, I, I like is uh, Oslavis Basabe of uh, the Mighty Durham Bulls. Um, he was a guy that came over from the Rangers in the Nathaniel Lowe trade. And, you know, he's looking like that kind of classic twitchy uh, guy who's going to spray the ball around the park and, and run for you. I don't know if he's going to play shortstop long term. At least that's how our reporting looks but he made a good impression in the one game I've been to so far this year because I came home from Arizona from spring training, um, saw a very cool matchup of Grayson Rodriguez versus Taj Bradley. Grayson Rodriguez was for the third time meh for me. Um, just that's how the luck of the draw I get with when I see Grayson Rodriguez. Um, and then I got the flu for two days and didn't see any games. And then last week the weather here was terrible 
so we had you know atmospheric rivers or something. So when I go out to a game today, I don't know why I'm saying a game, but it's going to be Winston-Salem versus Brooklyn. I get a really cool SEC throwback pitching matchup of uh, Jonathan Cannon versus Blade Tidwell. Uh, there's going to be Kevin Parada in that game and uh, Alex Ramirez in that game. So it should be really fun. But the point is that was uh, just sort of all back because I'm rambling here. Uh, Basabe was a guy who's on this week's hot sheet who really impressed me uh, from the one game I've been to this season. Jeff, now that I've mentioned my plans, what are you doing next couple of days? I don't know about today, but it's a couple of days. Oh yeah, I got a uh, I got a, a nice mix up. So I'm going to be going to I think New Hampshire the next two days, and then following that, I'm going to be flying with my family back down to Florida for my third tour of duty down in Florida. This time for a family vacation starting Thursday. I'm going to be down there for a week, and uh, my plan is to hit some games in Dunedin. Clearwater over those those uh, group of days, depending upon who's going. You know, I'm going to kind of stay a little uncommitted and footloose and fancy free, as my parents might say. A very cringy expression that used to make me cringe as a child. But here I am as a 41 year old man, much like living my destiny of becoming my parents um, and using it. But uh, and then the following following week, I'll still be down there for a few more days. I know. Um, the family is, uh, we're staying with my mother-in-law who's just outside of Bradenton and Bradenton is about 10 minutes away from her house. So I'm probably going to shoot over there because I have to double check on this, but I'm almost positive that Daytona is in Bradenton next week, which is a fairly interesting roster and an East coast team that you wouldn't always get. So, um, I'm kind of interested in seeing what I can get there and, uh, you know, potentially who I could see. We just got to hope that, uh, you know, um, Tamar Johnson makes a miraculous recovery and uh, is back in the lineup on the 18th or 19th while I'm still there. Um, but there are some interesting arms, too, on uh, um, Daytona. I think it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Lion Richardson, who has dealt with a lot of injuries was maybe like a second or third rounder if i remember correctly by the reds back in 2018 and uh he's still in 22 23 but he's up to like 99 a lot of really good stuff across the board um that's another league where most of the parks have hawkeye so it's available on Statcast and or baseball savant so kind of checking him out a little bit and i'm definitely um pretty interested to see who i get uh in daytona yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at their roster right now. I forget the pitchers. You've got a really interesting group of infielders. You've got Victor Acosta. You've got Leonardo Balcazar, Cam Collier, Carlos Jorge, Sal Stewart uh, in the outfield. You've got Ariel Almonte, Yerlin Confidon, uh, Hector Rodriguez, who came over from the Mets last year, uh, Cade Hunter behind the plate with their four catchers. Um, <laughs> you got... Uh, Let's see. Do we have Lion Richardson? We do have Lion Richardson. It is an older, it is a considerably older um, FSL squad um, outside of those infielders that I mentioned. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I think you'll be some, able to some young some young outfielders too. Ariel Monte, like yeah. said, Confidon, uh, Hector Rodriguez is is the youngest I think of the nineteen. Yeah, um, the pitching staff is very old. 
The pitching staff is fairly, there's a lot of college guys here. We got like Zach Maxwell, Chris McElvin from Vanderbilt, um, Mason Pelio that was at BC for I think four or five years. Uh, yeah, there's some names here that, you know, I might have seen already on the Cape. Um, Jacob Heatherly is there. Wow, I, I totally forgot about Jacob Heatherly. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting. But, um, yeah, it's either that or Tampa, which I believe we had discussed. And then JJ had brought up something interesting. And this doesn't necessarily mean they don't have any prospects. But uh, they don't have any top 30 prospects. They're the only team in the minors that doesn't have a single top 30 prospect. Though, isn't Justin Lang on that team? He is, um, and he well, was probably was borderline, right? I mean, he's no, some... he wasn't borderline. No, he wasn't oh. even close. Um, the stuff was pretty good. Stuff has gotten better. Stuff was not good um, in the FCL last year. It's rebounded, and he might make his way onto it, uh, but he wasn't in the discussion uh, for top thirty based on what I heard internally and externally. The guy who I would have hoped to have been on there, I don't know what's his deal, uh, is Luis Serna. Um, he was one of their best prospects at the FCL last year, but he is not on their roster this year. Jared Serna, his cousin, is a guy who can hit a little bit. Um, but, yeah, they are the one of 120 who did not um, place a top 30 prospect on their roster. Um, and with that in mind, Jeff, I think this is a perfect time to take a little break and uh, put a commercial break in here. All right, let's do hey, it. Now. And we're back. So, you know, I mentioned what I'm going to do today, which is Winston-Salem and Brooklyn for the, the SEC throwback matchup, Tidwell-Cannon. Um, but... The area around here is, you know, loaded for <clears throat> bear for the rest of uh, the week as well. You've got Salem in uh, Zebulon, which Salem has my uh, early, you know, 2023 cheese ball, Miguel Blaze, who I'm very, very excited to see out the gate. Um, they've also got Luis Perales, who made my list of uh, 50 standouts from the Florida and Arizona backfields. Now, granted, he... Did not make it out of the first inning, <laughs> his first game. So way to way to represent. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, they've got uh, Elmer Rodriguez Cruz, Alan Castro, uh, Lionel James. Uh, there's probably some other guys I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but it's a pretty good little. Ro- oh, Cutter, Cutter Coffee, Roman Anthony. It's a really interesting roster, and then they're going to play a Brewers team, a, a Zebulon team that has uh, Jacob Mizierowski, who's got. Really big stuff, uh, not so much with the command always, but big stuff nonetheless. I think he was up to 102 for me in instructs last year. Um, they also have a lot of guys from last year: Jader Aranamo, uh, Jace Avina. Uh, they've also got Gregory Barrios, who's a pretty good international prospect of note. Uh, Daniel Guillarte is on that club, um, so that should be an, an interesting club. But I'm really excited to see Blaze, and then. Also, Fredericksburg is in Fayetteville, and Fredericksburg has Elijah Green and Harlan Susanna and Brady House and maybe Andre Lara, if I'm remembering correctly. Fredericksburg has um, Andrew Taylor, who I believe goes tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to do my first double-up of the year, where it's going to be uh, the 
aforementioned Mudcats in the morning. I think it's an 11 a.m. game. And then Fayetteville at night, which is like a 7 uh, p.m. game. So I'll get you know, Miguel Blaze and Andrew Taylor and Elijah Green and Brady House and all those good guys all in one day. And then you know, that's that's going to be my week, more or less, bouncing between that that group. Uh, Durham's also here. Uh, Durham has, I, I just say like they're an afterthought. They've got Kyle Manzardo, Curtis Mead, Oslevis Basabe, Taj Bradley, um, Jose Lopez. Uh, they've got some some fun guys. So as always, the Carolinas are you know loaded to the gills, and a lot of teams are home this week. So that's what my week is looking like now that games are back in full swing. And this year, 2022 or 2023, wow, I've upgraded. <laughs> I have a car that is functional. Last year, you know, my uh, my old, I won't say reliable. Completely unreliable. Ford Focus uh, had its annual issue with the, the clutch, and I was on the shelf from going to games for about four to six weeks or something like that because the weather got too hot and I couldn't deal with it. But now I have a mighty Toyota Corolla, and uh, I do not anticipate any problems. Knock on any wood I can find. So, Jeff, you mentioned New Hampshire and uh, Portland. Anything else? coming down the pike for you after that. So what I was thinking about, I have to figure it out, but um, there is a matchup, a clash of the Titans, you might say, a uh, tale of the tape, a couple of uh, big, beefy, home run hitting monsters that are going to be in Hudson Valley. That would be the uh, Wilmington Blue Rocks and the Swingin' James Woods uh, or James Wood. I can't I can't pluralize that because it has a whole other conversation. Woods is is. Um and Spencer Jones. So uh I, I was thinking of potentially maybe heading up to my aunt's house in New Jersey and staying with her for a few days and uh maybe catching two to three games in that series and then shooting home. It's about two and a half hours from home and only about 45 minutes from her. So uh was thinking of maybe heading out there, saving some of my travel budget by not having to pay for a hotel, getting Getting some visiting time in with my uh, with with my favorite aunt, and uh, you know, just uh, hanging out, maybe eating some good Italian food, and uh, then going to some games. So I was thinking of going to that one. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm kind of a little bit more focused on really like hammering in and focusing in on just like pro ball stuff this year, as opposed to like last year where I was doing a lot of um, some college stuff up here, and of course the Cape Cod League really trying to make this the year of the MILB for myself. So uh, just going to be leaning in on that and trying to catch as many as I can. I have to look forward in the schedule and see if there's maybe any interesting teams coming into Worcester or Hartford, um, you know, as well as New Hampshire. So really it's just like those three teams are kind of my options. And then uh, Hudson Valley is two and a half hours. Brooklyn's about three um Somerset's about three and a half so those are kind of like my closest teams I really don't have any other options besides that unless I decided to like go and stay with my sister and see Syracuse but I'm gonna see Syracuse a whole lot I'm gonna see Binghamton a whole lot with uh the leagues that I have local to me anyway so it doesn't really make as much sense I'm traveling south to get some a-ball looks you know I I am jealous of all of the a-ball content that you get to shoot and cover yeah, I, I was talking to you off air 
about, and this is way in the future, but like we were talking about last year was the first year since I've been at BA that I didn't go to the Futures game. And I think that's going to be the plan again this year. It's in Seattle. I would, you know, Pacific Northwest is my favorite region of the country. But um, what I think we're going to do for me this year is while y'all are having some fun in uh, uh, the great Northwest, I am going to go down to the West Coast of Florida uh, and do FCL. FSL double ups. So it's going to be, you know, backfields in the morning, uh, big fields at night. And I'm going to, you know, I haven't been to Florida since pre pandemic. So I, I, it'll be really fun to go see those guys. Maybe some of the rosters will have changed. Um, I assume some of the rosters will have changed. And you'll get to see the the babies on the backfield, which is kind of my thing. So, you know, I'm, I, it's months away and I'm already really excited about it. Um, and I look into, oh, you're talking about Hudson Valley. It's not just Spencer Jones. Also, if if you told me that there was a guy not named James Wood or Spencer Jones who hit the farthest ball in that series, it might be Anthony Garcia. Like he's that's of, true. He's kind of a fringy prospect, but uh, there's not kind of a fringy prospect. He is a fringy prospect, and uh, but he can hit the ball very, 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 very far from both sides of the plate. And you know, if he out uh, out homered one of those two gentlemen, it wouldn't be super surprising. They've also got a lefty named Joel Valdez who came over in the um, trade that sent Nick Nelson and Donnie Sands to Philadelphia. He's kind of a, a, an interesting prospecty left-hander who has been moved a little bit of aggr- uh, aggressively. Drew Thinking Thorpe? Drew Thorpe is there too, yes. Chase Hampton is there as well, and he's starting tonight, as yeah. a matter of fact. Um, so I also thought Juan Carella I watched him this weekend. Yeah, he's kind of- Thing, like younger younger uh, right-hander, decent body, like decent stuff. I mean, if you don't like velocity or command, he might be your guy. <laughs> uh, he has some field for spin, though, if I remember correctly. He's, I didn't... he's been kind of fringy, um, but he didn't throw as hard as you might expect a Yankees prospect to throw last year, and he ran into some issues with command and control. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, totally dismiss him but yeah yeah he was i think he's in my 31 through 40 or however far far i went um he's he's okay alexander alexander vargas uh kind of an interesting guy still uh antonio mm-hmm. gomez and then gomez, yeah gomez is more interesting than vargas i think um vargas i think he already got hurt but I know he, he was in the lineup on Saturday when I was watching, so I don't know. If either he, day, but maybe yeah. I'm misremembering. But either, either way, like maybe he, maybe he got hurt in the game, and I had already changed over to the because I was watching that game when that epic meltdown happened. Oh in my goodness, we forgot about Rock City meltdown. Yeah, we should probably end with that. But the no, last thing we're ending with that, we got Ben Rice on that, that team. Ben Rice, the smartest man in the Yankees organization, a Dartmouth boy. Um, remember seeing him on the Cape in. Uh, I think 2021, he was part of uh, the Katuit team that uh, our colleague uh, Peter Flaherty was involved with. I know his name. Come on, and <laughs> and uh, Rice was uh, was I think I think was drafted later or was maybe an, an NDFA. But like either way, like Rice is kind of he can hit a little bit, you know, like my Northeast guys that go to my Ivy League schools. But we were talking about the, that meltdown in Rocket City. That was crazy. I mean, it was. A no hitter shutout going at seven inning game because it was a doubleheader. Going, it's the first leg of the doubleheader. 
They're going into the seventh. They bring in Ben Joyce, which is everybody's future closer, everyone's favorite future closer there uh, for the Angels. And it was very Kimbrel-like in terms of he walked four batters. He got a strikeout. The velocity was there. He got a pop out. And then as you were watching it too, had a very fringy, what should have been a, a called third strike turned out to be a ball. That opened the floodgates. It did. And then there was a flyout that should have been caught in yep. center field by converted infielder Jeremiah Jackson. He was Jackson under it. doesn't make the play. And that's really when the floodgates opened. And they bring in was it Jose Eric Torres? Eric Torres. And Torres hit what four batters? Something like that. Yep. And he just wild pitch. Yep. It was it, they didn't give up a hit. It was a no-hitter, and they managed to have a seven-run inning in the top of the seventh without giving up a single hit. It was unbelievable. It was one of the most monstrous things I've ever seen in my life. It was like a little league game. Never will see that again, ever. Yeah. Um, I didn't think you'd see it the first time. But you know what's wild is you mentioned it's a doubleheader. So if you're the manager, Michael, I think Michael works as the pitching coach, you have, you have to go in there and say, All right, let's change uniforms, have a have a little have a little something to eat, and we'll go out there and do that again. Uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully not that, but we have to play another game. So that's uh, I can't even imagine what that you know screen game speech must have been like. Uh, you don't flip over the table because you do need to eat. Uh, <laughs> once a long time ago, I I covered uh, the Trenton Thunder in uh, the Eastern League, and they had a longtime manager named Tony Franklin, and every time you know they would lose a game in stupid fashion, and he'd have to air out the team. I'd say, did you flip the table? He says, no, I like to eat. I'm not going to waste all this food. I'm going to yell at them. Flipping table? What are you, crazy? I, I, I would I would have walked in there and like because everyone knows knows what happened. I would have just I would have just like quoted. I think it was Anchorman and been like, "I'm not even mad. I'm impressed." Like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> no, that's that's the that's the your father's not mad at you. He's just disappointed. Yes, this was unbelievable. I can't. Well, at least it can't get any worse. <laughs> you say that, and you, the famous last words. Uh, <laughs> I will say too. This is a game we're not going to be at this week, but. I don't think so, unless I find a way to get to Mississippi very quickly. But uh, in the Southern League, we are going to have, uh, at some point, my dream matchup, uh, Yuri Perez on the mound for the, the fighting Pensacola Blue Wahoos and Jackson Chorio at the top of the lineup for the uh, the Biloxi Shuckers. So that'll pretty – I don't know where I'll be at that point. Uh, maybe I'll just have to catch up on the box score, but that'll be pretty fun. You know, Chorio, speaking of him – he le- he you know, ended last year as the youngest man in double A, and he begins this year as the youngest man in double A. Three hits uh, in the weekend series for Biloxi, and he's our new number one prospect now that uh, Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll have gone on to the land of big leaguers. That's a cool series to watch. Um, the Northwest League, I would I would say, I think Spokane got all of its games rained out um, this last weekend in Vancouver. <laughs> Uh, so they're going to be a fun club to watch. They've got Jaden Hill. They've got Gabriel Hughes. They've got Victor Juarez. They've got Yankeel Fernandez, who uh, could not start with the team because they are in Canada and he's from Cuba, and there's all sorts of uh, immigration issues there. Uh, Sterling Thompson, Jordan Beck, Benny Montgomery. It's a really loaded team. 
that I'm going to see a few games of. I'll spill even more of my future plans because I'm just on a roll this morning. Um, yeah. In a couple weeks, I'm going back to Oregon for a little bit of a working vacation. Uh, it's usually around my birthday, so I will see uh, the Oregon football spring game, but more importantly for the listeners of the Bear and Parrot podcast, I will see uh, a couple games of Oregon baseball versus uh, Arizona State. Somehow I will have seen Roth done for a second time this year. Yeah, you get a lot of Arizona State. I don't know how that worked, but it, it is cool. And then uh, I'm going to stick around a little longer because there's nothing the following week. Not much in the Carolina area, so why not stay home? I, I'm stay at my parents' house uh, while they are well, they're uh, away. And then I will go to Eugene and see the Emeralds, which uh, they have uh, Eric Silva, one of my cheese balls, stuff guy who's um, starting to learn how to pitch a little more. Um, they've got him. I'm trying to think about who else they have, and I will look this up while I bumper. But they've got um, – they will have that Spokane team. So that will be really fun to watch. I'll probably mix in a little Hillsboro uh, versus Tri-City. Although originally when I was scheduling that – I wanted to see uh, those guys, Tri-City. Oh, I'll see a lot of Tri-City and Hillsborough. But Tri-City was going to have Edgar Cuero, I thought. But they jumped him to uh, Rocket City. And to take it back a few minutes, he was the catcher for that insane no-hitter. So that was a, a fun, like, uh, one of his de- double-A debut. But it was one of his, you know, his first series in double-A. Um, and we're going back here to that Giants roster now. Uh, they have, among other people, Seth Lonsway, who gets the ball tonight, Matt Mikulski, Carson Ragsdale, Nick Sinicola, uh, Adrian Sugasti's there, Averson Artiaga. Oh, and I forgot the big boy. Uh, great Grant McRae, a uh, toolsy guy who really popped last year, one of the, the two Jim Gabella specials in the Giants minor league who really uh, came on last year, he and Vaughn Brown. So that's kind of what my month's looking like. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff on this podcast. Is there anything you didn't want to, that we, we skipped, Jeff, that you wanted to mention? What are you working on? No, I'm working on uh, another article that's going to come out later this week uh, that looks actually kind of piggybacks on some of your names. But uh, it's all uh, a list of maybe 20-plus breakout pitchers that uh, I think you know could could have big seasons in 2023 or at least – Names to look out for and be watching that um, I've heard good things from or seen good things from over, you know, the last year, spring training, etc. So be on the lookout for that in the next couple of days. I'll spoil one that I didn't put on my list. Uh, Orioles right-hander Trace Bright, who had a really good start to the year. He was kind of on my list, but uh, one of the guys I talked to wasn't 100% sure if he had seen him like at his very best and maybe he wasn't just a pop-up guy just yet kind of wish i had followed my gut and put him in there but c'est la vie um if you want to go back to look at that story there's 50 backfield standouts from you know coast to coast so that was a a, a product of i don't know 14 scout calls in the span of like three days so four days something like that so that was one of the fun things i do every year um, but yeah, Jeff, if if you've got that coming up, I'm working on some stuff for the magazine. I just finished a feature on Ethan Salas, who is very good. Um, I think I've talked about him on another podcast. But 16 year olds like Ethan don't come around very often. Um, 
the hype is very real on that young man. And I'm excited to see him whenever I get to see him again. I don't know when that will be, but whenever I'm going to be very happy to take another look at uh, the Padres' newest prospect. Yeah, one that's uh, had a ton of buzz. But yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up on the site and out on the, the backfields and the fields, the fields. The, the actual field, field, the front field, regular ones, the front fields, the one with lights and 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 second decks and yeah. mascots and bat races and food and all sorts of fun stuff. Fireworks after games. Yeah, you don't want to do fireworks on the Arizona backfields. You know, like that would be a bad idea. <laughs> um, but anyway, for we'll, we'll wrap this up because we have been rambling for thirty-five <laughs> minutes now. Um, I'm Josh in North Carolina. He's Jeff in the Northeast. Thanks for listening. Bye.